Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How are you doing today? I want to tell you something. I just came back from South Africa. Can you believe it? South Africa, I saw animals. I saw two herds of elephants at one time. Can you believe that? Uh, anyway, it was great to be away. I'm glad to be back. I haven't done the show live for a while, so I'm a little like I'm a little bit like I hope I get it together. I hope I can get this together. Also, because I'm actually my guest today is a very, very, very talented and highly trained professional actor, performer, writer, comedian. So it's a little extra pressure. Hi, Ken. Ken Perlstein. Hi. Do you think I'm going to get it together? I, you know, I think we're going to get through this together. Like you do? when powers activate, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to like make sure that like, you know, you're going to help me hit the marks and everything. I got your you're back. the professional. You're the professional here. I'm a professional uh, acting like a professional. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> you wore your Jimmy Kimmel live shirt. It's a yes. little intimidating, you know? Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. A little, it's a little intimidating because. You know, you. I'm like thinking. Well, he was probably on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and now, why did you fucking agree to be on the show, you idiot? <laughs> why did I agree to be on the show? No, I've never been on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and okay, so know, my I'm wife a- is uh, very good friends with uh, uh, one of the producers. Oh, nice! So, and you haven't been on. We, you got to make that work. You've got. I will. To, you someday. have watched. You have watched the show, right? Of course, we've been. Uh, yeah, we've been there when he's. Oh, done. you've been there live. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's a great show. More than once. Couple times. Couple times. Oh, cool. Okay, so here's the thing, guys. Back, back to, back to you. Back to you, the listener in your luxurious uh, room, port porch overlooking the ocean. Um, they used to be in, in, in basements, but now you guys are, have worked your way up. So I just want to tell you what, uh, how I know Ken and what we're going to, why he's here, what we're going to talk about. So I met Ken Perlstein in 2009 when I was taking a comedy class. And uh, Ken was taking a comedy class. Obviously, it worked out for him. And I'm, uh, well, you know. And I just turned into a self-proclaimed psychotherapist. That's another story. So the thing is, is that, uh, you know, I uh, thought I started thinking about Ken again because Ken has a recurring role on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is so impressive to me. And then even just a couple of weeks ago, my husband and I were watching Succession in bed and there was Ken on the TV again. Did you know you were in the room with us? Did you have, you didn't know I had that. no idea I was in bed with you and your husband. <laughs> we were really tired, so nothing, it was very. Nothing happened. We have a king size bed. It was really wow, wholesome. there's plenty of room. Very wholesome, plenty of room. You know, my wife and I have a king size, and, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, uh, what do you call it? Uh, we, we reach out long distance. Yeah, I don't think, I, I want to tell you something, kids. I don't think I resisted getting a king size bed. When I was younger, I had a king size bed with my boyfriend and I just don't think it's good. I think it's very unromantic, but that's my opinion. What do you think? You know, it, 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 it depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Well, for me, if you're ever going to, yeah, for me, just anyway, check in on that before you, you get a one. Craigslist party and you know, <laughs> uh, so I want to tell you a little more about Ken. 
I want to let you know that he is like a very highly trained actor. He has an MFA from the actor studio. He uh, does comedy around the city. He um, like at least probably once a week, which is a big fucking deal. He's making a living as an actor. I printed out his resume and it's like, it's really, it's very professional. Very, very. I see HBO, I see CBS, Showtime, Amazon, uh, Bank Street Theater, Actor Studio, stuff like that. Uh, so he's the real deal, folks. Um, but what we really want to talk about today is the TV pilot that uh, our friend Ken, we're friends now, right? I, yeah, we've been friends. <laughs> we've been friends, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> we're friends. We're, we're learning a whole lot more today. <laughs> anyway, my friend here, Ken, uh, who's very successful in entertainment, uh, Ken has written a pilot and produced, he's gotten it produced. He's already in a festival and all this other stuff. And I've seen the uh, trailer for the pilot. I have all the information posted about the pilot and everything else. And there's a GoFundMe, which you should go to, or how it's called. The title of the of the pilot, the TV pilot, soon to be series, right, Ken? Yes. Soon to be series. Yes. It's called How Am I Doing? Yes. There's no question mark in that. And the uh, website is How Am I Doing TV.com. So you should go there and, uh, you know, you should. This is going to be really good and really valuable to a lot of people, and I think you should uh, donate some money. And uh, while we're talking about donating money, see, I got all nervous, and I forgot to ask you to <laughs> I'm supposed to, I'm in trouble now because I forgot to tell people to donate money to our radio station. You, you got to take care of the station first. Yeah, you got to keep an office. Thank here. you. Thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Dr. Yes. Lisa. I'm here every Thursday, 2 to 3. Uh, and... Um, you know, right now we're actually, we have this really amazing deal if you want to do your own podcast recording, okay? So you can just go to our website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, and you can get a 20% discount if you put in my show code, which is DLG for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And they do everything. Like, it's the kind of thing, folks. Honestly, you're like, I want to do a podcast. I don't know anything on how to do a podcast, but I just know I want to do it. So for like very, very, like you, even you can afford it. And then you come here and you get like your own tech guy and you could do anything. And they have, uh, you know, whatever you want, whatever. Anyway. Okay. So back to Ken, back to Ken. And so I just want to give you the, basic plot of Ken's show so we can get right to talking with Ken. But it's basically about, it's about a middle-aged actor, Eli Meyer, who is struggling. He wants to be an actor. He's struggling with this dream of being an actor. He wants to come back to an acting career that he had. Had. And do you want to tell us about it? You could tell us, but you had to tell it to us really quickly. Okay. You, uh, you know, he was a, he, he had a regular you know, he was a regular working actor, uh, had a drinking problem, went to rehab. He was married before, uh, had a, uh, had, with a daughter. And, uh, even after rehab, you know, his, his marriage didn't work out. And so he's, he's been struggling. It's been kind of dry for him. His agent is struggling. 
So he has an agent that she's selling essential oils on the side. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, his ex-wife is now engaged to a to a heart surgeon. A heart surgeon. A prominent wow. heart surgeon who's kind of moving in on their life, moving mm-hmm. in on him and his daughter. And so it's really, he's just trying to get everything And he, and he has a daughter. Yes. How old is his daughter? What's, what's Eleven. The, and what's, what's the deal with his daughter? Uh, her name's Becca. And she's played by this amazing actress, Samara Conley. She's really adorable. She's uh, every every person in this pilot is just fantastic. So yeah, it is really good. And I cast all of them. <laughs> no, and you wrote it. No, it, well, it's good. It has um, a pretty great. singular vision, and the vision is based on your actual life to some degree. A lot of my life, and then a lot of uh, people's lives that I know, different stories. Uh, in, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, things so you had a addiction problem. I you still ha- do. I haven't graduated. You, you haven't know? graduated. <laughs> still you're, haven't in, you're in the pro- the program. Yes, I go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been in this program by uh, 22 years in 22 June. 22 years. I got sober after my first year in the MFA program. Oh, after the actor's studio. The first after my first year in it, yes. Wow. See, art can save your life. Yes, it can. It can. And it can take your life. It can, yeah, <laughs> right. So um, you had a drinking problem. You had a divorce, right? I'm saying got, like there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of things, yeah. There's sure. a I lot of parallels right. here. Got married after. I've been married in sobriety, divorced in sobriety. I've lost things in sobriety. Had great Great things happen in sobriety. So it's a sobriety's mm-hmm. a day at a time, and mm-hmm. it's a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And with Eli Meyer... You know, that's, you know, that's his life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, what you know. But I think that, you know, what, you know, when we were talking, we, we were talking about a little bit before we went on the air, and at the end of the day, what's great is how, you know, I, was, I said to Ken, folks, I said to Ken, so if I say your life is great, your life looks great now. You know, you've got a nice wife, a great kid, his face lit up. I'm telling you, when I mentioned how's your, you know, you have a son, like Ken's crazy about his son. (laughs) You don't need to be a therapist to see it. And he drives me crazy, too. He's Uh, he's making a living as an actor. He's in, do you get recognized on the street? Sometimes. Occasionally. Like he's killing it, man. But it took him 20 years. So we're going to find out. Today, I want to talk to Ken about where he started and what he went through because he's he's killing it now. And I said I sent him. I said, Ken, your life looks really good. Is it really good? And he said, Go ahead. What'd you say? I said on Facebook, everything looks good. No, that was that was like that was that was <laughs> my modesty. Life is really good. That Honestly, was, it's a joke. But in all honesty, my life is good. I I I'm my I'm full. Mm-hmm. I'm full. And, and I'm very lucky to have what I have. And yeah, yeah, you said you were grateful. Actually, is what he said very after I called him out for making for like making a joke. Uh, but I also <laughs> think that he has been through a lot, and I think that uh, art is a struggle. And I think that's what we're gonna find out today, hopefully. So what I thought. So this is uplifting, okay? There's something dark about it, but it's got a happy fucking ending. All right, kids? <laughs> it does. Um, so I want to start out. I mean, I personally, you know, it's funny because I'm just going to tell you where. Here's my countertransference, okay, folks? So I drink like one or two drinks a day, and that's more than I'd like to be drinking. 
it's not like a hardcore alcoholic, but it's a weird place to be because I do know that a lot of people become very successful and have more productive. I wonder if I would be happier or have a more productive life. And um, it's hard for me to quit drinking. I mean, and also because it's not ruining my life. I'm just curious about it. So, and also the way I was brought up, no one drank and in my family and I am phobic about throwing up. I've mentioned this before on the air, but I didn't drink at all until I moved to New York at age. Like I didn't drink till after I'd been in New York and for a year at age 23. So I didn't drink in college. I didn't know anything about drinking. I didn't realize like I would have actually probably had sex in college. If I drank, I had very little sex, my own room, no sex. And alcohol would have solved that. But anyway, that's that that's that's history. So I just want to. So I am very curious and I'm going to ask some naive questions. Okay. Um, so how did you like what happened? When did you start drinking? Like, how did you wind up in that kind of situation? Uh, I mean, my first drink was when I was a little kid because it was always around. me. Mm-hmm. So really, my first drink was at five, you know, starting at you know, with sips of scotch or booze, sips of beer. Um, so there was drinking in your family. Yeah. And then, like, what about high school? Yeah, high school, there was a... Hmm. So I, we moved around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We moved around a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, so and spent, why, why was that? Uh, yeah, my dad was in commercial real estate at the time, shopping centers. And, oh, you know, was so he, he doing well? Yeah, he was doing really well, and they, you know, he... Worked at a oh. lot of different places that, you know, wanted his expertise. So, uh, but he'd so, have a drink at night and whatever. Yeah, there was, was alcohol around. I had no alcohol. There was, uh, there was some, you know. He approved around. of alcohol. I was like, alcohol is evil. Well, we were brought up differently and we're both Jews. So, okay. So he moved around for his job and his job was a good stable job, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, um, but like when... You know, like when did drinking become a regular part of your life? Well, I mean, we, we lived in Maryland for 10 years. And so that's where I really, you know, did a lot of growing up there. But uh, I was also in special education for 16 and a half years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the 70s, when you're di- when we were diagnosed you know, ADD and dyslexia, they didn't know how to handle that. Right. So the answer was Ritalin and resource rooms. The RRs, <laughs> double resource R. Resource rooms? Ritalin and resource rooms. What are those? Those are special glasses, what they call them. Uh, yeah, yes. Okay. Right? So, when they make you run around and get some of this, right. whatever. Right. Uh-huh. So that's, you know, that was mm-hmm. our thing. Uh, I was, my brother and I were athletes growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jew jocks. Mm-hmm. Those are Jews who play sports but don't own the teams. So that's what a Jew <laughs> I like that. Uh, but uh, growing up, I, you know, I, I went to, I went, I never went to the same school in my neighborhood. Ah. I never went to the same school because I had to go to schools that had a special ed program, ah. so to speak. Ah. So it, it, it was tough. So relating to people my age, my neighborhood, relating to anybody for me, I always felt like an outsider. But I always had a good relationship with the older kids in my neighborhood. And how- And that's where I drank with them. I would start when I got to, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15. I was drinking with them. So you were hanging out with the older kids. Yeah, hanging out with the older kids, drinking, smoking weed, but hanging mm-hmm. out with them. Uh, I, I'd say my last, uh, we, we uh, you know, we, we ended up moving to Atlanta. My last 
supposed to be my last couple of years in high school. I also was held back a few times, so I don't even, <laughs> God mm-hmm. knows. Uh, so uh, my parents uh, got my brother and I into a, a boarding school in Maine. Uh, I didn't drink when I was up there. Why, why did they send you to a boarding school? Uh, you know, just to get away from, you know, the the home. Give us a, you know. They wanted, they just wanted their, their you to piece. be, they they thought that it was, that a, good it was a good, it's good, a good program. it would be a good thing for you. It was a very good school. Then your so. father, your parents could afford it and it was a good opportunity probably. Yeah, it was a good opportunity, good school. Yeah. And it was away from home mm-hmm. and, and uh, it, it's a great school in Bath, Maine. Right. Know? So you and your brother were, at least had each other though. Yeah, you know, we had each other, you know, and uh, yeah. we had a, it was a small school. So you didn't drink at all there? No, I did not. Uh, not not while I was at the school. So, you know, we played three sports a year and we were obligated. We, it was a, uh, everybody had to participate in performing arts. Mm-hmm. Even the teachers, even the headmaster participated in the performing arts. We had a show in the spring. Were you in- always interested in performing arts? I was, I had always had a knack for Characters and voices mm-hmm. throughout my life, and, and you sing and invitations. well. Also, I, I I did yes, yeah, and, uh, yeah. But I could always do impersonations. I was mm-hmm. used to impersonate people I worked for, teachers, mm-hmm. everybody, mm-hmm. and I I didn't know what I wanted to do. My academics were horrendous, mm-hmm. uh, but I was. But they found out I could sing. They got me into their their show. Their, mm-hmm. their their yearly mm-hmm. show that they did. Mm-hmm. It was kind of people. They just wrote it on the spot. And you seem like you'd pretty, be a natural on stage as a kid. Like you're. I was shy. I was so shy. shy but they made me sing. And uh-huh. uh, you know the thing about this school is that it's based on character development, and they they really don't kick people out uh, for breaking the rules. What they do is they 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 make you work it off. They put you on work crew. Mm. So when they asked me to, you know, hey, we want you to sing this part in a show. And I told them to go F themselves. And I'm not going to sing. They said, well, you can chip ice instead. So oh. I sang. Mm-hmm. And I just found something. I just, it just. Uh, you enjoy it. It, it kind of, it kind of felt right to you. It felt right to me. Uh, yeah, it just and, felt right. And, it was where I was home. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't academic, really. You know, right. <laughs> I didn't have to add right. or subtract. Right. Really. Which, you know, Ken, you're obviously, I mean, this is the thing about dyslexia and stuff like that. You're obviously a very, very bright man. And people, like, it it wasn't like you really had a learning disability. You just couldn't learn the way you needed to learn for them. Right. We learned differently and it, you know. Which is why you wound up going to a really good school. You went to, I have it right here. Where'd you go to school? College. Oh, I, I ended up, you know, they, they got me into um, uh, Marshall University. Yeah, it's a good school. And it's a good school. And they also, well, what the, one of the reasons I got into was they had a, what's called the HELP program. And it's a, it's a really good, really good program still going on today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's higher education for people with learning disabilities. Oh. And it's really grown. It's one of the best programs for that oh. in the country today. That's really so I, good to hear that. Yeah, I walked on, played Division One football, walked on for a little bit, and I was a theater major. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, so you and did I was you in a fraternity, well? so I did everything. Oh, fraternity. So did you do well? Uh, you know, I it took me because you have to take other classes too in college. Yeah, so it took me five years, including summer schools, oh, and so a theater bad. professor oh. to say, you know what, 
Get the heck out of Huntington, West Virginia. There's nothing for you here. Mm-hmm. Get out. Mm-hmm. Go to New York. Mm-hmm. Go to New York. So he encouraged you. Yes. And did you, you, I'm guessing that you were doing well there in like that. In it was college? obvious that you I had okay. talent. I did okay. Uh, you know, I, a lot of the plays that they did there were, for the most part, they were called restoration comedies. Mm-hmm. So I would always play the little, you know, the character guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't until uh, they had, because we were directors too, it wasn't until they had a a little festival mm-hmm. that, and I was, you know, cast in something pretty deep mm-hmm. that they're like, oh my God, you can act too. <laughs> wow. Oh. And it was in my senior year. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I can. And they, but they, they said, uh, one of my professors said the best place for you is in New York. It's great that you uh, were able to access something that allowed you to like really develop, you know, the the best part of you really and to express yourself and to get confidence. That's why art is so important, people, because <laughs> it helps. Art isn't easy. <laughs> so, um, what about drinking in college? Did you drink in college? Oh, yeah, I was a blackout drinker. <laughs> and how did the... Did that get in your way or a lot of things got in my way? And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, with Dakota, you know, codependence anonymous in college and with alcohol, children of alcoholics, adult children of alcoholics, I just didn't admit that I had a problem deep down. I did, but I was, you know, I, I burned, I blew a lot of opportunities because uh-huh. of my drinking in college. I, I you know, burned bridges, did a with lot of things. People? I can't even remember people, places and things. I can't even, I mean, look, years later, a friend of mine from college hit me up on Facebook. He said, hey, you remember when we were working at this place and you did this? I'm like, what? <laughs> and it was it was something ridiculous that got me fired, but it was just something that, my God, I don't, I don't remember that. Because you were probably drunk. Or, yeah. And what about the chicks? Were you, did you, did you have, did you, did you have any chicks? Did you get any in college? Get any chicks? Well, you know, uh, uh, a Jew boy, uh, an ethnic looking, you know, athletic Jew boy in college. I mm-hmm. wasn't. And, and my self-esteem, first of all, coming from special uh, coming for was was my special. My self-esteem uh-huh. was crap. Uh huh. It was it was crap. And yeah. I had no self-esteem. Yeah. So I wasn't prepared for the attention I got from West Virginia girls. Oh, so we the girls pretty, liked you. The West Virginia of girls course, liked me. Guy, we got ourselves a Jew boy. Ding, 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 ding. Guy that's funny, <laughs> can make can make funny voices, Woo. can sing. I mean, who doesn't want that? We got athlete. ourselves a Jew boy. Daddy, look, can we strap him? <laughs> must have been quite an athlete, ladies. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but yes, I I, I, I guess I, I had my share of you it know, women like in college. It sounds like you've always done really well socially. Yes, yes and no, but you know, socially, uh, I socially I was scared. What do you mean? I was always scared uh, of people, always scared, just afraid to be who I was. So alcohol helped with it. Uh, being able to do voices, being able to do comedy, it's a great barrier. It's a great way to kind so of push people away. So you use and and I have actually done this myself on occasion. Used used humor as a defense. Course, <laughs> it absolutely really it saved, works. A lot of times, it saved my life. It, you know, growing up, it just yeah. Well, if you're gonna have to defend yourself at all, college, it's a great yeah. defense because it shows intelligence. Especially actually. if you're a people pleaser in that you know aspect. People are like, hey, do your thing, do your you know, uh, be silly, be stupid. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be your idiot. You know, I'll be your dude. So I'll crack gotta, the jokes and I'll. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just 
Don't so want what to was drinking like for you in college? Were you drinking like in the morning where other people, like I have no idea. I honestly, I'm not, I really don't, can't imagine it. I don't know. And um, that's an honest question. And it sounds dumb, but. I think a lot of times I drank alone, but yes, I would go out to frat parties. I would go out to, to other parties. I would drink, you know, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I kind of burned bridges with uh, football too because of drinking. What what happened? Did they? I was just, you know, I was a walk on and we had a you know great head coach, good program. And, you know, he was going to give me, you know, a fair shot, you know, after the mm-hmm. year. And he said, all you have to do is, you know, show up to the spring game. All you do is show up. And I just couldn't. You mean you was, were just drunk or? I just preferred. I was just scared. I was scared of that. And I instead, you know, alcohol was great. And it said, well, I'm not supposed to be successful. Afraid, being afraid of success is a huge thing. Mm. It's scary, mm. you know, to, to do well. It's very, it's, it's frightening. It's frightening when people are like, God, you're, you, you have so much potential. You have so much this. And then you realize it for a second. You go, no, 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 no. I'd rather just stay down here. Because you don't. You just don't. It, there's, a, there, there's a part of an alcohol, at least me, as an alcoholic, that's worthless. That feels absolutely worthless. And you don't want it's to, it's, it's like too, it's too scary to, 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 to try, say. Sometimes it's too scary and sometimes it's just more comfortable to say, you know, I'm a shit and this is where I belong. And then it's really, um, I don't deserve. it's a downward, sp- yeah, well, I don't it's, deserve. A, it's a spiral because then like you don't go to the tryout and then you then you feel There's bad that you do that and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I burn bridges in all kinds of places. Did you piss people off a lot? Sometimes I piss people off. Sometimes, you know, people... Just, you weren't reliable? Is that part of it? I was reliable uh, to, to an extent. Uh, I was, he was very early today. You're reliable. I'm very reliable. I was here before you. I'm very I know reliable. You I was no, waiting. He's very reliable. My tail was wagging. I was waiting. No, he's a re- really reliable guy. <laughs> well, so you might have always been reliable anyway. You know, it's just, I think being reliable to oneself is where it comes down to. Mm. Was I reliable mm-hmm. to myself? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to let anybody else down. Were you but getting, letting myself down. Were you getting any feedback from people that uh, you were having trouble with drinking? Were you get, was Not anybody, in college. Not people, in college. Oh, because people don't notice that shit in college. No. You're in college. You're drinking. Right. Everybody did. We're in college. We're drinking. We're, you know. So where, what, so anyway, you made it through college. Made it through college. And then what happened? Got to New York. Mm-hmm. I came to New York City in 1994, spring of 94, and a, uh, with my Jeep Cherokee and a U-Haul attached to it. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 again, I was very lucky. Um, I had friends waiting for me, you know, with a place. We had a. We had an entire top floor of a townhouse in Astoria for $900 wow. altogether. Holy shit. Right. Holy shit. Right. Oh, that must have been great. It was great. Uh, and I had really good roommates. Yeah. Really good. They were great Buddies. friends. Still, still today. That must have been like a really fun time. It was. It was. It must have been a really fun time of your life. It, it, there was a lot of fun things about it and a lot of things I don't remember about it. I ended up getting rid of my car. I uh, got tired of it being towed. <laughs> what were you doing to make money? Uh, just various things in, in the beginning, you know, from uh, geez, putting up like uh, studio lights at Lincoln Center to uh, telemarketing to, you know, 
wait uh, I, I was busing i was busing tables uh, i was a bus boy at, a, at a major steakhouse an actor doing odd jobs you were an <laughs> actor doing odd jobs I did a lot of odd jobs man <laughs> in college i worked at mcdonald's i worked at wendy's i worked at a, a place called farmore which was like a walmart i did everything mm-hmm. there was so what landscaping i sold knives you sold knives. That, I don't I think having an alcohol, a, somebody Cut who's go. drinking selling knives sounds very good. If you good, see vector marketing, run. <laughs> better than better than guns. That's yes. not even. We can't even joke about uh, guns. West Virginia. Yeah, they joke have. About guns. <laughs> no, we do not. I don't want to. I don't have. Uh, okay, so you were in New York. You were hanging out with your friends. Were you going on auditions or was acting part of? I was in just there somewhere. Dipping. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, my roommates and I were, we went to Lee Strasberg Theater Institute mm-hmm. so when we first got there. So we got that experience. And, uh, so we started at Lee Strasberg. And uh, then you got an MFA. Well, I took a couple, uh, took, I veered off a little bit. Uh, I became an NBC page. Oh, oh, that's a real job. That's that like was a, a real job. That's it was not a, an odd job. That's an actual job. Nine. It was. It was nine dollars an hour back then. But mm-hmm. I got. I took people on the tours. Mm-hmm. When I worked out at tours, I got to work on the shows like Conan O'Brien, or you know SNL. I got to work on so many different things. Were, were you like, oh my god, when I got when you got the job? Yeah, you like the, oh my god, I got this job. Yeah, several shit. interviews. Yeah, it is. You had a lot of interviews for this job. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a very prestigious job to have. Sure, of course. And you can't act starstruck, so you know, right. One of my jobs was what they called studio hallway stay and uh, uh-huh. work at SNL. So my job was to stand between, you know, in the hallway of the green room. Uh-huh, right. And then another stairway, which led to all access. So it was a list of people who were allowed in the green room, which was nothing but a room not much bigger than the one we're in now, painted mm-hmm. green, that overlooked the set. Tiny. It was a tiny room. It had a, you know, had beer in a fridge or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I had to stand there. And then people would, who were on that list, got to go in there. And then there were people who had what's called all access, which is access to everything. So like usually Lauren if, Michaels. <laughs> right. All access to that. Or, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chris Farley was on the show then. Wow. You got to. Really nice guy. You got to like, I, so you got to meet like really amazing people. I got to meet a lot of good people. He was a really nice guy. Yeah. Uh you know, got right. to see the changing of the cast of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Got to see the show at its lows and highs. Yeah. Uh, it was exciting. I yeah. got to see auditions for Saturday Night Live. I was wow. taking people on a tour and I said, they are auditioning. Wow. For the show. Amazing. I was like, wow. wow. So, that is so awesome. Uh, were you drinking then? Of course. So what, how, how. Not how, during the job, but. No, but know. so how, how did that work? Like, how does that work? How do you work in drinking when you have a job? Like, like what role does drinking have in your life when you have a job? Like I had a big that? role in my life, but I didn't drink on the job. Mm-hmm. I did not drink on a job, but mm-hmm. you know, afterwards we'd either go out or if there was a SNL party, Saturday Night Live You party, go to those parties? I go to like some of those parties and, uh, you know, uh, and then when you have roommates, you go clubbing. Clubbing oh, was the big thing in the 90s, you know, going clubbing, right. uh, which I hated clubs. But, you know, I just you drank. Know. Yeah. And then you tailgate and then you would drink. You'd be like tailgating to go out to drink, too. That right, was my thing. Right. Um, my role was I called it the two and two. So. Especially performing, I never drank when I was performing ever. Okay, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit. I did the NBC page thing, mm-hmm. uh, which was great experience. 
I didn't end up getting a job within the building, and it's great. Uh, I had a, a guy named Chris Salger, who was my who was our supervisor, really good guy. I did always did perfect impersonations of him. <laughs> so throughout the, our tour route, we had like phones, and I would call and I would make people believe that they had a that they were called to Chris's office. Oh, that's really like. Would funny. you like to come down to my office? <laughs> He's like, why are twenty people in my office right now? They're like, I don't know who called. He go, Pearlstein. But you know, oh, he, that's funny. But he said at the end of it, he said, you know, you don't belong in a building, in an office. You belong, you know, performing. That's where you belong, man. Right. So, right. yes. Yeah, so hence, I started working on uh, auditioning to get an MFA, auditioning to get into graduate schools. Uh-huh. And I saw the actor's studio was brand new. It was brand new. Uh, so I, I got in. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, worked for a few months with a friend of mine on a scene, mm-hmm. audition for. Uh, Lipton. Right. So, so mm-hmm. and the new school, the actor studio was at the new school back mm-hmm. then. Now they've mm-hmm. moved the pace. While and back James then. Lipton was running it. Yes. Yes, yeah, he was. So I auditioned deal. for him. It's a big deal, folks. You know that TV show. Yes. Inside the actor studio. Yes. Yeah. It's great, actually. I love that show. As a, I got to see a lot of good people. So I did get in. We were the third graduating class. I got wow. in. Uh, and I think that first year, my, my drinking was up. I was waiting tables. I was bus busing and waiting tables and mm-hmm. food running. Uh, and that's the rule. When you work in a restaurant and you're waiting tables, uh, you drink in a service bar. That's a given. Always drink in a service bar entrance. He's a service bar. It's out, right outside of the bar. So it's where you pick up your drinks to take to the tables. Oh, and like service they have bar. it like that little area. It's like a little tiny area. Yeah. And then, you know, people wouldn't finish Here's the thing about being an alcoholic. Oh. A lot of people that wouldn't finish their, their wine or their, you know, uh-huh. they had these big bottles of wine. Well, we'd take that. You know, when they left, we would take that. Uh, and then we would drink. And then we would go over to another place, another bar after that, right after, and drink there. And But I just continued. And then I, at the same time, I had classes at, starting at 9 a.m. I had, you know, for graduate school. Hey, professional, you're kind of missing the mic. I'm surprised. I'm so sorry about that. Sorry no, that's that. good. That's a good sign. We got into it. You're moving your head around. <laughs> I'm moving my head around. I'm a bobblehead now. Uh, so, no, um, so, so basically, so yes, my my drinking was escalated. The you know during the uh, first because, year because of the I think my roommates noticed it. Of, my friends really? noticed it. Really? What did they say? You know, I would always end up at one of my roommates. He was a doorman at a nice wine bar beer and wine bar and i would always end up there after you know during near closing uh-huh. time and because i knew he had the car but i would also drink for free uh-huh but i would pass out i was always he said, really? he'd always say you can't pass out in this kind of a bar here you can't pass out so you would pass out like at the bar yeah i just kind of pass out and he'd wake me up he's like we got to get get home it just, you know, what the bottom line is I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I knew I had a problem um, during the summer, uh, right after right after the first year ended. Uh, yeah, I think I was doing a, a musical reading of some sort. Or, and uh, that's when my time came. That's when I, I'm just, long story short, mm-hmm. uh, I just said, you know what, I, I just, I don't know how, but I can't do this anymore. I've two paths to go down, you know. Yeah, you felt like, them, yeah. But keep doing it because I don't understand. Whenever people didn't finish, even today, when people don't finish their drinks, I don't get it. I don't understand that. Oh, really? That's not the way I work. Right. When people leave like a, something in their beer glass or a wine glass, sipping wine, drives me nuts. Right. Or leaving stuff in a glass. Yeah, 
don't. Right. Because I, I finish it. Right. I didn't right. drink for fun. I drank to finish. I drank to go to another place. Right. Right. So, right. yeah. It's my, a really, it's, I, you know, it's a really different relationship with alcohol. Right. right. So, yeah, June 3rd was my first day sober. So and you just got yourself into I had a some program. help. I, yeah, AA, there's a lot of meetings. And uh, I, uh, a friend's mom. Got me to my first meeting. Oh, a friend's mom. A friend's oh, mom took me wow. to my first meeting, helped me for a month. Then she said, I love you. We can always talk, but you need to find a male sponsor. That's how this program works. Right. Go get yourself a sponsor. Right. A male. Had, was she somebody who was going to programs off the program? Yeah, she'd been in there for a long time. Right. That's right. why she took me on. That's why my friend said, hey, talk to my mom. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, June 3rd was 22 years. And you haven't drank since no. you started? No. Wow. Is that unusual? I mean, there's a lot of people that go back out. Uh -huh. So it is a miracle. You, you, you take it day by day. So when I first came in, I didn't understand that. I said, how are these people staying sober for years or a year or even a month? I don't mm -hmm. understand. And I was always told, take it five minutes at a time if you have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, did you ever go to therapy? Yeah, I've been through a lot of therapy. So do you think that there <laughs> were emotional issues behind the drinking? I of course. Mean, I mean, do you understand? It's, yes. It sounds partly, I think alcoholism is partly biological, maybe. It, uh, it, uh, it, it's biological. There's it's a, it's a in a vulnerability. Gene. There's a vulnerability to it. Of course. Um, but did you, have you learned to, have you worked out or learned you to, keep how, you understand like what I know the, why what, what was triggering well, all that stuff. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. Look, I I know why I drank. I drank to get absolutely annihilated, so I don't have to deal with anything. Mm. And then even after you stop drinking, you deal with other things that. So you, you deal with other you know addictive things that you know keep you away mm -hmm. from dealing. Mm -hmm. But you just take it one day at a time, mm -hmm. and you're gonna like I said, I've been through marriage. Sobriety, you're you're divorce. on your second marriage. Yes. Yeah, which sounds very successful, and you have a lovely so far. child. <laughs> so far. How long have you been married? Uh, we got married in 2016. Oh, but you've been together. We've been together almost eight years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that so, sounds really, that sounds really good. Yeah. See? Yeah, yeah. So you had a lot of things to work out and did when you stopped drinking, how, how did that change your perspective on your life? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean the, the, the first couple of years you're going through a fog, what you're you, in a fog, you're trying to, you know, the, the fog has to clear. You're you, dealing with feelings for the first time without using, uh -huh. without drinking and using, you're and, dealing with everything for the first time. And what is that and like? Is it overwhelming? Is it, it like, sucked? Like it like, sucked. It really sucked. It, the, the, especially the first year, two years, and still in the MFA program and dealing with that, mm -hmm. it was hard because mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're the, the insecurity, the your your comfort zone is gone. Mm. So now you have to start all over. You're, emotionally, it's like you're a kid again. Mm -hmm. You're a little kid again. Mm -hmm. So did you have to ha like? Were you negotiating the world in a way? Were you like hot, you know, like, were you managing it on your own, say, and like getting through, like acting normal every day, but 
it was really painful. Is oh, I never it acted like? normal. <laughs> I've never acted normal in my life. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, no, but normal I mean, for you. Sure. Functional, you know. You learn. No one expects that's you what the That's what meetings are for. That's what having a sponsor mm-hmm. was for. So you can get through this, mm-hmm. looking at things differently. Mm-hmm. A toolbox, I, you know, for me, the program, it's an entire toolbox. You right. know, it's reading the, what we call the big book, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's going through the steps, the 12 steps. It's going through the steps. And it's also helping somebody else go through the steps. Ah. Also taking on, you know, somebody else who's struggling mm-hmm. and taking them through it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you're helping somebody else, you know, you're out of your own head. Right. And well, you're doing service for other people and you're helping yourself at the same time. Yeah, that is like you have to show of, up. And that is actually one of the ways they have proven um, that people actually do wind up feeling more positive is by helping other people yes. I and mean, they've got you know they got statistics to show that science behind that yes um and and um as a father that must be something that you think about right yeah you know it's one of the miracles is even my ex-wife never saw me drunk really never how, how, i got sober how before that? that oh she oh because you were sober right. and got sober my before. son uh, my, my, my wife right now, my wife and my son have never seen me drunk. Mm-hmm. Never. Wow. And that's, you know, that's, that's a miracle. And you're proud of that, aren't you? Of course. Yeah. That's huge. Now, do I worry, you know, when my son's taking children's Tylenol, when he's sick or whatever it is, and he's licking that little shot glass thing. <laughs> There's a part of me that's oh, going, oh, I'll see I you know. here soon. No, but, uh, but. It's, 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 it's great. And do I wonder that, gosh, does he have the gene or what's that going to, you know? Yeah. Of course. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Well, but also it sounds like you're giving him a pretty stable life. Yes. And, and he's think- got a good, he's got a dad that that's, that he's proud of. He's got a dad that's the goofy actor dad yeah, of all the parents. Yeah, he must be the most fun dad ever. I try. I'm the yeah, goofy yeah. actor father. Yes. I That's saw a, a video. You, I, I, I when I was re- snooping, I mean, researching, <laughs> there was a really cute stalking. video. Stalking. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I've been stalking you since when is that? Oh, nine. Oh, I just pretend I, you know, I'm asking these questions, but so he, uh, I saw a really cute video of him in a car, in a Jeep. Was it a Jeep car? Oh, it was an SUV, yes. SUV, like a child-size SUV. Oh, 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 his car. Yeah, car. Yes, his car. Is that yes. his car? It was. He's grown now. But <laughs> <laughs> he had a car. He had a little was toy that, car. How did that car work? Was it? Was it? He pushed it. He, you pushed it. We pushed it. Oh, That's how it worked. oh I was like, is that a motorized <laughs> He's car? He's like an infant. Did Ken yeah. give his kid a oh, motorized God, no. car? Car? No, 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 not yeah. So, what is it like working on the pilot? I mean, you wrote the pilot. Yes, you, took so me a while. Some of this stuff you've had to relive, or some of this, do you feel like you've healed through it, or what? What's it like? And you're, you're not the star. Of, you're not playing your. You have an actor, right? Is that right? I should know. Well, that. no, I am playing. You are I, playing, playing yourself. Well, I'm playing the character Eli. But it's I'm a playing character. the new character. Yes, it's a character. But it's not. It's not word it's, for it's, word me, right? But a lot of parts of me are in it, mm-hmm. and you are the you are the different. star, of course. Yeah, I so, am the star. I'm the lead. You are the lead. I'm the lead. I'm the co lead. 
and um, <laughs> bright shining star, bright shining star. <laughs> so, um, but do you feel a certain vulnerability? Do you feel like you're exposing yourself? Sure. And what's you're that writing. like? I mean, yeah. what's that like? Is that feel more exposed than you have been in other things? To a point, yes. I mean, when you write something, when you're writing, this was the, only the second piece that I wrote, but mm-hmm. I started writing this two years ago. I was working with a, a mentor, a uh, uh, really good writer. Somebody, yeah. Right, because I had written a short film before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote and, and and was you know a co-star yeah, in this yeah. short film. Yeah, I read about that, and it got like an... A it bunch got a of couple festivals. Of, Say the name few. of it. It's called January. January. And it was in a couple of festivals. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it was a it was a we we shot it in two days because it was part of a challenge. So this isn't your first writing. It's not my first. Yeah. But that was my first, and it was fifteen minutes. Two days. We shot it in two days with, wow. uh, with one camera. And, mm-hmm. But it was a it was a deeply emotional. There was some mm-hmm. elements of comedy in it, but it was a deeply heavy, heavy short mm-hmm. film. Uh, and then I just kind of just took a, you know, 2015, 2016 election came along, toxic, toxic, toxic. And uh, I took, I started trying to write several different things. And then I started working with this mentor. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we, we went back and forth in ideas. And I'm like, you know what? I have an idea. I started to grab an idea of where I wanted this to go, what the story was. You know how I saw things, how I saw these people, mm-hmm. and these, and I just started. And this guy was great. His name was Nick Job, and he was a good mentor. And he and he pushed me. You know, mm-hmm. he really he pushed That's me. Great. He said, "You have to learn to raise the stakes in each scene oh. that you're writing." And it would drive me nuts. He said, "Nope, the stakes aren't high enough. Go back." Were you? Were you? In other words, it, he's pushing you to reveal yourself more, to make yourself more well, vulnerable yes, in a certain way. But the scene structure too, learning as well. Well, so yeah. I, so he moved. I accumulated me. forty pages. He moved. Um, I can't. I was casting people that I knew. I had a picture of people that I knew who could play these parts. So I sent it to a friend to a friend of mine, uh, a lady named Julie Hayes, who's amazing actress, really really good writer too. Uh, she plays my agent. Yes, I love pilot. that role. Oh, I mean, gosh, I love. Great. I I mean, I only saw the trailer, but I. So the, you know. I guess I knew when I I had like forty something pages. I shot it over to her. I said, you know, this is something I've been working on a little bit. Here's where I picture your part, and here's all these other things, and let me know what you think. And I half expected her to bash me, and uh, which was because she's blunt. Mm-hmm. But I got this huge long text from her. It's like, wow, this is. Good. This is wow. Un- I love each and every character. Let's let's sit down and talk about it. Let's meet. Wow. She printed out what I had, and before I knew it, I had eighty pages. I had a reading at mm-hmm. my apartment. Mm-hmm. At eighteen actors, I had eighty pages at wow, the time. Eighteen actors. Wow. And I had forty people in my apartment. Wow. And we we had a reading. We had a reading, and nobody wanted to leave. They all kept because we had we had wow. talk back, and people just kept talking about it talk so, about it yeah and it went from there and it's been a journey because i knew nothing about producing yeah that's nothing a big, about that's producing a big, that's a big deal i mean so you, you you go through the pains you go through learning experiences and then i i have you know i finally you know found the right team i have two women who get shit done one of them is mm-hmm. my producer jen Plotsky, and 
and my director, uh, Colleen David James. Good, you got a woman director. That's women right. I got a female team. Done. I got a female team, and that's, that's why women get shit done. Yes, they do. You yes, know, they true. do. It's true. Um, so that has so in order in in the process of doing this, has it given you a different perspective on your own life? Yes. And, and in what way? I mean, so many, so many different ways. It's given me new avenues to look at where I can go. But also writing this, too, has just been writing it from my heart. Opening, there's a lot of recovery in it. Yeah. There's some recovery yeah. in it. And, you know, my character's in a meeting in one of the scenes. And uh, I had to really, I had to write another character mm-hmm. who we, you know, I don't want to give it away, but I had to write mm-hmm. another character for this other guy who's who is fresh out of rehab and struggling. Mm. And then I had to write a whole monologue for my character relating to that guy, but also sharing his heart, sharing his difficulties, wow. struggles, wow. and the fear. Mm. So do you think that going through, I mean, that's a huge process of yes. getting a, well, of getting a... um you know, TV pilot done in a, you know, at the level of production and professionalism and all that. It's not easy. And um, also there is a GoFundMe to help finish it up and get it into the festival. So <laughs> that's why, why don't we say that now? Why, why, sure. why we have the opportunity. Sure. It's how am I doing TV? Oh, well, go to howamidoingtv.com to hear, to, to see the trailer, learn more about the pilot. Is that, is the GoFundMe also on there? Or is the, that a different thing? GoFundMe is a different thing. The GoFundMe is just, uh, if you go on GoFundMe, go to How Am I Doing? Mm-hmm. And, and it's on there. Yeah, Ken it. Perlstein, you'll find it, Yep, folks. you'll find me. You're smart. You listen to the show. I'm smart. You can do I know it. things. They can do it. You can do it. Um, and any amount is helpful. Any amount is, because it be always, it's always really like good to feel encouraged by getting anybody to give you anything. To, yes. that, and, and thank and you, I think Lisa. this is meaningful. Oh, I'm, um, thank you I'm for glad if support. I can help. No, I, I'm glad I can, glad I can help. Uh, I think like I, it's occurring to me, like I'm thinking about like all, all of the discipline and drive and everything yeah. and and the upset of downs and still sticking with it. Uh, but also what it takes to get through um, AA and sobriety. And I think like it's one day at a time, some of that resolve is must have really helped you throughout your life and particularly in this project and a lot of other things. Do you, do you think so? Of course. Yeah. Of course. A lot of, you know, when you're, have that toolbox and you're striving mm-hmm. just to be the very best you can be. That's all we're trying to do is just the very best that we can. Mm-hmm. Not perfect. And do you think that you, when you're in, you know, the people that you've been able to relate to um, in AA, are they, is there a certain kind of intimacy there that, that you can, that helps you? Cause I've been in group therapy, not uh-huh. the same, but I, I'm just like in my experience in group therapy, when people like we're always trying to like make ourselves like everything's fine when we're out in the world. But what really draws you into other people is when somebody says, hey, this really sucks. And then everybody goes, oh, my God, I know. And they're like, 
you feel so much closer. You learn how to be closer to people. Do you think that's helped you with your relationships? Uh, Of of course, it's helped me to become such a a better listener uh, to to other people. Ah. But also, yeah, I mean, but an understanding of, because we're, you know, as an alcoholic, I'll speak for myself, as an alcoholic, we are self-absorbed people. Uh-huh. We are self-servicing, self. We are so self-absorbed. Is that you is, know? It's that's just, a really common. That's yes, like a. And a what does that trait. mean? What does that mean? I mean, we're just we got our own thing going on. I don't have time for anything else. But what this program, you know, has, has taught me is that if if you don't make time for anybody else, then you can't help yourself. Hmm. So, got to be accountable, and, and you have to be accountable for people. So when you're you know, when I was out there, you know, using and drinking, I didn't want to be accountable for anybody but me. Huh. But I'm a guy, but I have to be accountable. I have a family, I have a kid, right. I have a wife, right. I have things, I have this pilot, I have an LLC, I have to be accountable. Right. I have to show up. Right. You can't right. just hide under the covers with a bottle. Right, right. Huh. Interesting. It's interesting. It's a lot to, it's a lot. Wow. It sounds like, that was a really hard, hard life. And um, I was going to say about um, how alcoholics are, they're really in their own, like what you were saying about how they have their own thing. So it's really hard. You don't actually have a lot of relationships or real relationships. I do. I have a lot of good relationships. Now you do. Of course. But I mean, as an alcoholic, it's hard to have a real relationship. Well, when you're out there drinking, you when know, you're drinking, it's, yeah, if, when yeah, you're depending using. on what you're doing when you're drinking and using, you know, your relationships are skewed a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Uh, my relationships were of people, places, and things were based around when my next drink would be. Mm. But I was also going to say that I think the thing about Art is, this is what I think. I think that in order to make really good art, you have to, you have to really be able to suffer. expose yourself. Yes. Not you have suffer. To suffer. I know, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you have to take yourself really fucking seriously, okay? Right. <laughs> no, but I think you, I think like a lot of art is getting to the real truth yep. about life and who you, and in order to do that, you have to know who you are. Right. So do you think that if you're an alcoholic, you can also be a really good creative person? Of course. A I mean, not, I mean, a using alcoholic. Yeah. Really? There's a lot of alcohol that are a lot of functioning alcoholics. And there's a lot of alcoholics that never got in recovery who are very creative people, of course. And very, but su- they, and very sick. And very successful. Very successful, say. successful, talented and sick. You know, <laughs> I'm still sick, but. You know, but yeah, sure, sure. You could be a drunk and be successful. You could be, but it's just, Mm -hmm. and sometimes you can't. Sometimes you lose everything. Yeah, I, it's a big fucking gamble. It's a big fucking gamble. It's a big fucking gamble. So uh, anyway, well, (laughs) we have five minutes left. Okay. So I just want to say that I, uh, I, I think what's I think you're a great example of humanity, Ken. No. I really do. Thank you. I Thank think you. I think that you've done a lot of really uh I think I think this pilot is gonna be really great. I think a lot Thank of you. people 
are going to be able to relate to it. I mean, you don't have to be an alcoholic in order to have your have demons that you don't have to be literally an alcoholic to have a lot of demons no. that get in your way. I mean, I've been there with depression. Of course. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can I relate. Mean, you don't it doesn't have to be just that. But I think a lot of I think, you know, I mean, and here's the other thing. It took you 20 years to get to this point. And I think yeah. a lot of people have to understand that, like you think, especially in acting or entertainment, you think that by the time you're 30, if you haven't made it, did you feel like that when you were younger as an actor? I mean, I, sometimes I thought, Oh my God, why am I doing this? But when you spend the money you spend on a master's degree, yeah. I'm still paying off for me, there was no turning back. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people that I, you know, went to graduate school with, they, uh, very few are still in it. Uh, mm-hmm. and then some people found other avenues of that they're happy with, 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 uh, you know, making a living. And that's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. For me personally, there was just, there was nothing else I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. There was nothing else I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I've done what I've had to do sometimes. I've been in the corporate world. I've made a lot of money in inside sales. What's I that? hated it. Inside sales is like, you know, email telemarketing. Uh, uh. I started sales. I started a sales team at one point wow. you know, for my marriage. And uh, wow. I made a lot of money, but I was not happy. Yeah. You know, you're eight and a half, nine hours making 220 yeah. calls a day. Well, acting skills can certainly transfer to sales skills. Of course, that's what is, helped me. Yeah, right. But doing that. Yeah. Three years. So see that, guys? Here we've got we got somebody who's been through some shit and now they're happy. I've <laughs> been through a so lot of shit. So just don't just don't give up. <laughs> no, don't right? give up. You don't know? give up. Don't fucking quit. Don't quit. You just know, don't really quit. don't. Seriously, don't. That's what we're don't. trying to say, right? Don't quit. Hugs, not drugs. No. <laughs> yeah, and now you have. Do you think? And what's what's your son interested in? What's he like? Oh my goodness, he's hilarious. Really? He's he has a funny. really good sense of humor. He's very creative. He's extremely smart. He's so smart. Yeah. Uh, really funny. I'll tell you a quick funny story. Okay. We have 30 seconds. 30 star. Okay. Uh, his bedtime routine, uh, he told me that, because uh, we still save quarters, mm-hmm. he basically stole our quarters, put it in his, his uh, you know, his uh, pay, you know, his play his, uh, register, his, yeah, his right. pretend register, and then he bribed me. I said, uh, I said, you could only watch one show. He said, no, I want to watch two. I said, only one. He goes, how about a quarter? Like, he brought a quarter back. He said, how about another quarter for another show? I said, where'd you get the quarter? He goes, you. I'm like, so he already t- was taught embezzlement. <laughs> That's the short end. What do you do? Do you take, the, take all the quarters back? I take the quarters back, put them back in a jar, and then he takes them back to his register. I love it. The cycle. I love it. I love it. Yeah, the it's all, it's all in the family. Yes. So uh, anyway, thanks so much for Thank listening you. to, for being here, Thank Ken. You. Thank you. Pleasure. And thanks to all the listeners. Uh, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and check us out. We've got a lot going on, monthly mixers, podcasts, all sorts of stuff and stick around because we've got great programming this afternoon. So much great music and talk and it's, you know, uh, Elon Danziger's on after this. He's my favorite. Stick around and listen to Lost and Re-